0: what's up everybody i'm your host i am not derek scott the third my name is michael Yarrick and normally i'm the one editing these podcasts or these episodes but today i thought i'd try my hand at hosting I promise you'll get Derek Scott III back very soon. Uh, This is uh, Studio Wesley Annex, where we discuss the weekly lectionary texts. Um, I'm here with some of my Studio Wesley friends. Uh, Neil, how are you doing?
1: Uh, you know, I'm okay. Uh, filed my taxes today, it was fun. Got a whopping refund of $34. So, you know, Ooh, uh, yeah. government's paying for one tank of gas for me. That's pretty kind of them considering all the other horrible things going on in the world. But, uh, yeah, you know, doing all right.
0: Incredible, incredible. I'm so happy for you, Brooke. How are you?
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm okay. I'm feeling a little bit unwell, so I might not be as talkative today, so it might be a shorter episode.
0: Oh, that's okay. We're, we'll we're th- out. <laughs> thankful for you as always. Uh, you. And then we have Drew. Drew, tell the people how you're doing.
3: I'm doing good. It's a beautiful day in South Florida, so I can't complain.
0: Yeah, and Drew's dogs are recreating Jurassic Park, the first movie uh incredible okay so uh, i'm gonna open this up in prayer and then we're just gonna get rolling uh, dear god thank you for letting us all be here today um, we hope that these episodes are valuable to any and all who listen um, we know that you have a plan for all all of our words that are coming today um, we may just not know it yet so uh yeah thank you for letting us be here in community and uh in jesus name so, uh, I think Brooke, you're on the chopping block first, just kidding, maybe it's the hot seat. I don't know what we call this. I don't uh, know.
2: But,
0: you know take it away.
2: Um, yes, so um, we have another New Testament reading from Romans. Um, and it's one of those classi- classic ones. I don't know how to begin to explain it, but I um. I'm going to talk about verses Romans 5, um, 3 through 5. Um, And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character. Character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Um, I think a lot of times I hear this verse and it makes me unhappy because it seems, um, and again, I, I'm a person who like thinks about suffering a lot and the ethics of how we respond to suffering a lot. I feel like I can read this in a way that makes it seem that um, that's good to suffer um, because it produces character, which produces hope. Um, but I'm going to choose, I'm going to choose to read it in a kinder light today, and I'm going to think of it as meaning, um to me, in my understanding of the world, I think that suffering is just a part of our lives as humans that, um, you know, like to live is to suffer. I always think of like little kids who might be really well cared for, but they still experience like frustration um, and pain and struggle um, and just how, how universal suffering is. Um, and I think it can be really hard, but I do like if I'm thinking about my own life, especially in our season of Lent where we're thinking about um, about how we can bring our lives into alignment with Jesus and the work that he chooses to do in the world. When I think about suffering, which I think it's it's a part of the Christian life to choose to suffer, <laughs> like to choose to take on the hard work of following Jesus, um, which involves pain and endurance and struggle. Um, I like the idea and thinking about that and what that journey means for me this season alongside this idea of that, that producing endurance, which produces character, which produces hope in this way that suffering, it takes a line, right? Like you have a few parts to connect it, but that suffering leads to this hopeful, bright place. Um, I think that that can be a beautiful picture if it's used in a way that that is affirming and life-giving and not life-taking. Um, I'm also going to take the first, um, 5.11, 5.11, but more than that, we even boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Um, I, And again, we're in this season of Lent, so I've been thinking a lot about how I'm separate from God, about how humanity is separate from God. Um, I love this idea, um, Paul says, we have now received reconciliation. And when he says that we, um, I've talked about Romans before, like he's talking about this commu- to this community that like, I think he would say they're off the rails. Like they, <laughs> he has a lot of problems with like their practice with Christianity and the things that they're doing, but he's still addressing them, these people that he would regard as wayward with this we. We have now received reconciliation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And if he includes them, it makes me think like he would include me, (laughs) like he would include the Christians that are here today. And also often like we do wayward things too. And I like, I find it beautiful, this idea of what does it mean to have reconciliation, reconciliation with God? What does that mean? What ramifications does that have and what a miraculous gift that is? And again, to me, I just like picturing things. So I i don't know. It's just a beautiful picture to me of like I'm reconciled through Christ um, despite all of these things that, that I'm realizing in Lent that keep me apart from God. I'm still melded with God because of Jesus. Um, and yeah, that's just that's something I'm holding on to right now.
0: Awesome, thank you so much. We're gonna open it up to everybody for responding now. Responsing, responding, responding is the better word. Let's go with responding instead.
1: Yeah, this, this, this sort of passage, like, I think similar to you, Brooke, like, I often like struggle with it, right? Because, like, the nature of suffering in the world is. A very like difficult one to wrestle with, you know, and it's easy, <laughs> say easy as I'm, is it slowly happening to me? It's easy to like slip down into nihilism when it comes to suffering. Like it's easy to say, it's like, does this actually mean anything or is all of this suffering pointless? Right. It's like, is character development really worth it? Like, is it like, is it, you know, like, does it actually mean anything? Is this actually going to help me? You know, like, and it, and that's like a difficult spot to be in, and a difficult like concept to wrestle with, because like it is true. You know, I mean, uh, oh, there's this quote that I always used to say. I forget what it is now, but it's like, like, yeah, like, like suffering and learning to endure and learning to overcome are. Um, like part of the human like spirit and like part of like the human experience unfortunately as much as we'd love to just for things to be easier and to you know just use another biblical reference to just stay on the mountaintop we can't always stay on the mountaintop sometimes you know we eventually have to come down and sometimes we are pushed down uh, violently and hit every tree on the way there but it is still like the nature of this sort of like persistence that I think exists within like every human and within the human soul, you know, like we all, each of us have the ability to keep pushing forward. And hope is a thing that I don't like, it says, you know, that like character like produces hope, but the way, or at least in my translation, but the way I think of it more is like hope is a thing that you have to like choose and find for yourself you know like hope doesn't just appear necessarily you have to say to yourself i am choosing to hope you know i i am choosing to like be optimistic of these things because it's not just gonna fall out into your lap um yeah i've rambled enough
3: so um yeah i think it's interesting what you guys said because i tend to I don't know, maybe it's just the way that I understand a lot of scripture, but I think that I interpret it more like positively in a way that like, I think that especially when you're talking about like the experience of like the group of people that this is specifically being written for, like in the time, like the, the suffering is, you know, oppression and all the things that are happening to them is like inherent to their experience in a way that like, I think that sometimes it's easy to like read a passage like this and some people might interpret it as like, God, we shouldn't really care about our suffering here because we know there's something after. But, um, I think that when it says, you know, the, your endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confidence and hope of salvation. I think that, you know, that applies on earth too. And, um, I think that it gives, it's like, God understands that suffering is a part of life that's going to happen no matter what uh, throughout time. And it's just kind of a part of our existence. But, you know, our confidence in him can lead us out of it. And uh, if it's not on earth, then we can be confident in our salvation afterwards. And I think that that's like a hopeful thought to me.
0: Yeah, I um, so this is not a complete thought yet, but I, I'm like engaging with this as like, the word reconciliation being a very like specific word that that does involve a, a two-way street. Like reconciliation to me is like a partnership, right? Like we're taking two ideas and figuring out how they can like live together in like uh, what's like the actual definition, like the action of making one view or belief compatible with another, um, which isn't just one person adhering to somebody else's way of thinking or like us. Like, I don't know. It, it includes God in this like sort of two-way street mentality of like there is an exchange of hope and faith and like um just respect for one each other that feels very like communal with two people more than just one person being like apologetic like reconciliation is not an apology it's like two people coming together with a give and take and i don't know yeah i think i think that's that's very interesting how that relates to like our faith journeys um but yeah, yeah, awesome stuff, Brooke. Thank you for doing that. I know you're you're not feeling well, but you're still like killing it with the words. So we appreciate it so much. Uh, I think now Neil's going to take it away with the Old Testament text. Uh, take it away.
1: Absolutely. So this particular text, uh, Exodus 1, 17, 1 through 7, uh, a little bit of background, if I remember correctly, like this – Takes place relatively early in uh, the Israelites wandering through the wilderness after they are delivered from Egypt and whatnot, and this is the story of how Moses hits a rock and gets water. Uh, that's uh, that's basically the way of putting it. Um, but yeah, and so they're wandering in the wilderness. They set up their camp, and there's no water for anyone to drink. So they say to Moses, like, "Hey, old dog, we're thirsty. Like it's the desert." Give us some water, and Moses is like kind of angry with them. In the in the CEB, he says, Moses says to them, "Why are you arguing with me? Why are you testing the Lord?" But you know they wanted water, and they say to him, "Why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us, our children and our livestock, with thirst?" It's like, you know, like they these, these, these like they are in need. So Moses says to God, "Like, what do I do? Like these people are gonna kill me." And God says. You're going to hit this rock and water is going to come out of it. And that's what's going to happen. And, you know, I, this is one of my sort of favorite stories and it gets, the story gets mirrored later, which is part of the reason why Moses uh, is punished and stuff. But um, this is like weirdly one of my favorite Old Testament stories because it it just feels like, I think often in our journey um, on faith or our journey through life, like, God, or you know, the universe, or whatever it is, like, we're often asked to do things that don't always make a lot of sense, that might go against what we already know and believe, and might just not be something like in our wheelhouse of doing, you know, like. If most people tell you, like, oh yeah, it's like we're hungry, we're like, we're thirsty, right? What should we do? Most people would think, okay, let's go find a river or an oasis, or maybe drink cactus water, like if you can find one of those. Like, but specifically, like God was like, no, hit this rock, which doesn't always make sense. However, I, I did read once that like out there, like in that particular part of like, you know, desert and wilderness, there is like this porous rock that actually does have water inside of it. Like not a lot of water, but like, you know, there, there are rocks out there that actually do have water in them. So it's not complete. I hate to say fantasy, but you know, it's like, it's not just like a miracle miracle. Like there, there is like actual real, real water rocks out there basically. But yeah, I don't know. I, I, I appreciate, um, I appreciate it as like just like a great like metaphor for yeah, sometimes you're gonna be asked to do things that you don't normally think to do, you don't normally want to do, and you are going to have to think outside the box. Like like another good example to make a little connection is like uh you know, it's like Jonah. It's like, yeah, go to Nineveh. And it's like, hmm, I don't know if I want to. <laughs> you know, it's like that's that's not a thing he would normally do. And Moses probably normally wouldn't hit rocks for water, but that that is an example of some sometimes when you just have to step outside of your comfort zone along your journey, you know, and you have to do things where you're like, okay, this is different, but God's asking me to do it. So here we go.
2: Yeah, I um I appreciate Neil your um your reminder of the way that God works in our lives and how God is. That's one of the things that I really appreciate about God is, um, I mean, I'm talking about, like, I guess how I ex- I've experienced the Holy Spirit in my life. Um, but just like it's its kind of playful and it doesn't always make intuitive sense. But there's beauty that comes in the unexpected and strange things that God sometimes calls us into.
0: I I, like thinking of this story from the mindset of a people pleaser (laughs) like me. Do you know how fast I would crumble if people are like, dude, what the heck? Where's the water? I'd be like, I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Don't like, don't take it up with me. Like I'd pass the buck to God so fast. uh, It'd be awful. Uh, And I think it's interesting that in this, in this scripture, Moses is like, not only he says, why do you aim your complaints at me? But then he also says, why are you testing God? Like, it's not, I don't feel like he's, he's doing that at all. I don't think he's passing the buck necessarily. He's um he's saying, don't, don't complain to me. Also don't, don't like try to test God. Just, just trust, just have faith that it's going to happen. Like stop complaining, not uh, complain to somebody else. Like, you know, as would be possibly the human impulse of, or at least of a people pleaser. Right. Um, and I, I, yeah, I don't know. I think, I think that's, that's really interesting. And you know, he goes to God later and God and God follows through and, Uh, We talked about this on one of the past episodes, just this idea of like, what would our lives look like if we could just, if we really could as humans just get over this hump of like fear and into the place of like having just relentless faith that even though things are really hard, they're going to work out because God's got our back.
3: Yeah, Yeah, that's kind of, I was thinking like, it's funny because they've gone through all of these experiences at this point against like all odds i guess you could say and it's like this not not that it's not a big deal to be like thirsty like i'm sure that they were like genuinely afraid but it's like how could you not have faith that moses and and god is looking out for you in this situation is like go complain immediately and like i just think it's funny that like as people it's kind of on brand like the whiny nature of it is like we've we've just you've just done these crazy things and we're safe and it's like now where's the water you know what i mean like i just think it's interesting
0: absolutely um this is i think this is where derek would be like beautiful beautiful i love you all so much all right and we and we're about to take a quick break uh and then we'll be right back
2: Hi friends! If we haven't met, my name is Allison, and I'm here to talk to you about one of the resources that we have to offer at The Wellness Project. The Wellness Project has two new cohorts starting this spring, and you should definitely join us. A cohort is a mental health module that has been designed by campus ministers and students on our design team. The first cohort is titled Mental Health Overview, and it's exactly what it sounds like. There are eight sessions total, and each session covers a different topic on mental health and wellness to give you a general overview of what those topics are. The second cohort is called Peer Support, and that's four sessions all to do with peer support. We would love to have you join us, and if you'd like to sign up, go to studiowesley.org wellnessproject.
0: We're back. Uh, we were just talking over the break about how I could do a better Derek impression for hosting the show, and I think there's at some point I have to kind of like give one of these like, if I could cry right now, oh gosh, oh gosh, right, something along those lines. I don't know. Feels very Derek-like, but for now, uh, Drew is going to take us away with 95. Drew, you ready?
3: Yep, already. So I guess I'm going to talk about uh, two specific parts of Psalm 95, but um, first, one of the things that I find really interesting about this is that it kind—it sort of starts by, uh, you know, it explains the, you know, the importance of worship and how worshiping towards God is uh, necessary, important, and fulfilling, but also um, how the experience can be reciprocal in a way where if we if we worship the way that uh this passage says then um it's a way to communicate with god back and forth so um yeah it's uh, let me let me read a quick part of this so it says let us come to him with thanksgiving let us sing psalms of praise to him for the lord is a great god and great king above all gods he holds in his hands the depths of the earth and the mightiest mountains. The sea belongs to him, for he made it. His hands formed the dry land too. So that kind, of, that image, kind of made me think of a specific experience that I have. Of, um, you know, I think it's important to appreciate, you know, the beautiful earth that God gave us. And one thing that my church does every Easter is a, uh, go, a uh, sunrise service on the beach. And that the uh, image of the sunrise and the worship in in that environment, I think is really special. because I feel like God calls us uh, to worship as a group and as a family, and um, sometimes not in a church building. and wherever wherever it is, I think that it's interesting uh, the ways that He specifically asks us to come to him in this in this passage. Um so it says let me see i want uh sorry let me find it so it says so verse 6 it says come let us worship and bow down let us kneel before the lord our maker for he is our god um so i think that uh the the process of um humbling ourselves in front of god can be sort of hard but um in this passage, I feel like it outlines that uh, in order to hear the guiding voice of God, uh, that's how we're called to come to him. And you can it says bow down, kneel, you know, those are obviously humbling things, and it can be hard to do that sometimes in the church. but I feel like it's clear that uh, when we do that, uh, it can it opens our ears and God speaks to us. So in the uh, sorry. And another ver in the next verse down, it says, if only you would listen to his voice today. And it's referencing, um, you know, God's frustration with, uh, the people of Israel and how they didn't do that. So, you know, the, I feel like the contrast of worshiping him is obviously us humbling ourselves and verbally shouting our praise towards God. But then when we do that, uh, and the way that he calls us to, we can we can receive his voice back. And uh, yeah, I think that's that's a nice thought.
0: Drew, I I love that you talked about your sunrise service. We're also doing a sunrise service in my church for Easter this year, and I just think it translates so well to this this whole psalm in general. Uh, so there's a lot of like jokes out there about how like the best way to write a worship song is just make sure that your bridge has some sort of like water reference or like fire reference, right? Like if we use elemental things, it's going to be great. Waterfalls, rivers, whatever. That's a hit worship song. Um, But I do think there's something to it that this, like this Psalm is telling us about like um, just the humbling. That's what you, you use that word drew. And I think it's awesome. The, the like humbling feeling that happens, like, Specifically around nature, like like all these psalms use nature references because I do think when you're out in nature and you just you're just amongst this massive pres like I view nature as this like massive presence of God, right? Like God created all of this, and and like we are we are so small in comparison, and and there is this like humbling feeling to that, and you just feel God's presence all around you, whereas like. In the church, so so this. Sorry, I'm not going to take too long here, but but we but verse eight here says, "Don't harden your hearts the way they did in the bitter uprising." You mentioned that, and I, I think of like the hardening of hearts. It's so easy to like complain in worship and not be in like a worship headspace when you're surrounding people and there's these like relationships and like, oh, I don't like that person or this person feels like a hypocrite, blah blah blah. Like like the the human to human relationship create some of this heart hardening that we, that we're talking about. And, and then when you're in nature and there's like just this vast, I don't know, there's, there's a difference, right? There's this clear difference between nature and then like human to human, not saying we shouldn't have the human to human interaction, but that, that like humbling notion in the presence of nature is just so palpable. Anytime I read it anywhere, Uh, it never gets old for me. So that's all I'm throwing in.
1: Yeah. I mean, something about worship as. you know, I guess as a worship musician and worship leader in a way is that you sort of like what y'all are saying, but like for me, I always try to remember that it's not about me, you know, that like worship is a, is a thing that is bigger than the people doing it or than the people leading it, you know, Um, as, as cringy as it is, at my old church, which was a Baptist church, um this one one worship leader guy who, you know, was a bit of a pain in the butt, but um he you know, he said this thing which you know, out of context, sounds so cringy, but there is some truth into it. He goes, you know, as musicians, you know, we always like to get off stage and, you know, high five each other and say, Oh, great, good, great job out there. Say, oh, I, I messed up this part here or whatever. But, you know, instead of asking ourselves how good our performance was, we should ask ourselves, but did we feel Jesus in the room? And to an extent, there is a truth to that, right? Where it's like, yeah, like it isn't just about the band. It isn't just about how well or how poorly we perform that Sunday. It's like it's not about that. Like it's the situation where we are shepherding other people into a space by which they can better like, you know, connect with God and open themselves up and worship. And there's a certain vulnerability in that and there's also a certain like smallness to that. Because in some places, to some people, it really doesn't matter how good or bad you are. Like, you know, you could be like one of the best bands, you know, best worship bands ever, and some people's doesn't doesn't necessarily like matter that much to them. You know, they're not coming to see a great band; they're coming to worship God and to open themselves up. And it's quite a humbling experience. You know, it can make you feel small at times if you care very much about your performance and whatnot. But it, it doesn't always matter.
2: Yeah, that's sort of what I, um, my favorite part of what you said, Drew. Um, I love the idea of what does it mean to be humble before God? What does that require? What does that look like? Um, yeah, I, I think that's something I'll be holding on to.
0: Yeah, awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much Drew. That's and everybody. That's that's incredible. Uh all right. Well, it's officially my turn with an insanely Long chunk. Just kidding. This is John four, chapter four, verses five through 42. So you'll know this as the story of the woman at the well, possibly. Uh, it's a pretty common story, but I I will lay the groundwork and I'll go through this pretty quick, I promise. So uh, this is the story of the woman at the well where Jesus asks her for water and she's like, okay, dude, but like, where's your bucket? And he's like, I'm God. And she's like, oh, dang, you're God. I'm not going to be thirsty anymore. I'm going to go tell some people about it. Uh, There's a lot more to it, but that's the gist. Um, Background that's important on this story is that for Jews in Israel at the time, Samaria, which is where this woman at the well was from, is kind of like a no-go zone. So back in Solomon times, Samaria and Judea were united in Israel, and then there was this rebellion, and Samaria broke off and became like the... Kind of the place known for worshiping idols, so Jews were like, "No, don't go there." And there's also kind of this like sort of sense that Jews kind of treated Samaritans like they were a problem, like species of people. Like very, it was it was very problematic. Regardless, that is now who Jesus is talking to at the well. So it's a Samaritan woman. So I set up this framework uh, of Jesus speaking uh, to her. Um, Kind of to to present this idea that we've heard many a times of Jesus kind of being there for the least of these, he's not only breaking expectations by approaching a Samaritan, but he's also approaching a Samaritan woman, which is not something that a man would kind of do right now, not societally um, like expected. And then to go one step further and this is speaking in the context of society back then he's speaking to a woman who's like known for um, being married multiple times and she's living with a guy she's not married to all things that are that these super religious people at the time are like, Oh my God, she's like the worst. Right. Um, And Jesus is having this conversation with her. Um, The verses that I want to call attention to um, is this kind of exchange where she asks Jesus the question, um, our fathers worshiped on the mountain. But your people say that Jerusalem is the only place for all people to worship. So which is it? And Jesus says, it's neither. Uh, and then he said, he goes on to say, a new day is coming. In fact, it's already here where the importance will not be placed on the time and place of worship, but on the truthful heart of worshipers. Then he later says, regardless of whether you are in Jerusalem or on this mountain, if you do not seek the Father, you do not worship. And when I when I read this, I I, I get comforted by this notion of um, what I would call like doing your best. Uh, so, uh, like I guess I would say this this highlights uh, a process over product sort of narrative. So so if you're trying, if you're seeking, and you're actively working towards God, if your heart is in the right place, you are worshiping. It doesn't need to be perfect. You don't need to be in the right place. You don't. It doesn't need to be the right time, in the right building, with the exact right people uh any bit of desire and active motion to seek out the heart of god is what jesus is saying is an act of worship if you are actively seeking god the father then you you are worshiping and that is the framework he's telling her that's that's all you need um and i think about like the like sometimes we all have days where um life gets really hard and you're fighting through all this immense pressure and stress and and, and maybe you fall short a little bit of your obligations for the day, but like you were still trying and, and it's really hard to like not have that trying be noticed. Right. But then to have somebody say like Jesus is saying to the Samaritan woman that that sh- like as long as your heart's in the right place, as long as you're in a sense trying and pursuing God, you may you may still come short. You may you may not get there all the way, but your heart's in the right place. That's enough for me let's try again tomorrow. Um, I don't know. I just feel like there's so much, so much grace in that, um, in the story specifically. And it's, and it's just, it's, it's very motivating to me, especially in those days when it's really hard. Um, and I, and I don't, I don't get the sense that Jesus is like trying to judge her too hard, which I, I, um, yeah, I think, I think he's saying like, actually all I need from you is for, you to be seeking God, the father, and then you are worshiping. And it's as easy as that. And later in the verses, she goes on and tells a bunch of people and they come out to God. And he kind of says the same thing. He's like, just, you just, your heart in the right place. That's all that matters. Um, it's not a building. It's not a specific type of person. You don't have to be perfect. Just be seeking God and uh, all will come together. So that's, uh, that's where I'll leave you. all.
3: Yeah, I, I agree with what you said because I think that it's like that specifically is like, it takes pressure off. I feel like of me because, or me and I'm sure plenty of other people I, you know, I work in, uh, well, so I do the sound for my church service, you know, and I, as a band, like kind of like when Neil was saying, like as a band, it's like easy to be like, Oh, this wasn't perfect today. This wasn't perfect today. Cause I feel like as like humans, sometimes we kind of think, well, God is, perfect and he deserves perfect from us even though clearly he doesn't expect that from us and he knows that you know that's not really possible so i think that it's it's nice to think about well i can control uh believing and worshiping and seeking him that's something that you know i think most christians strive to do every day so it takes the pressure off of not having to not even i mean i guess strive for for perfection but don't expect it you know understand that there's no time where you're gonna be close to that every day and it's good enough for God no matter what as long as you're doing those more simple things
1: yeah um I yeah I really appreciate uh what everyone is like you know like what everyone has said and stuff I I always love like the, the you know the woman at the well you know story because it's uh I don't know it's just like it it, it, it 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 shows, like, well, what it shows to me is that, like, no one is ever truly, like, lost or hopeless in the eyes of God, in a way. And I'm probably taking this a different direction than y'all were at first. But, like, you know, everyone had sort of written this woman off, right? She was an outcast. Like, one, she's a Samaritan. So already, like, that makes her, like, an outcast and stuff. But, you know, with the whole, like, you know, multiple, like, you know, marriages and everything and society, like, really looked down on her. But Jesus is like, no, like, you know, like, she's cool. Like, I'm cool with this lady. I love her, you know, and y'all should too. And, yeah, and, you know, just the way, like, you know, she then, like, proceeded to go off and, like, you know, tell people, like, you know, like all the stuff about worship and stuff. And people say women can't be pastors, you know, but, like, here is this woman, like, you know, just yeah, um, here's this woman who's just like, Oh, just, you know, chose to, chose to follow him and stuff and just made a decision to like change, I guess, you know? Cause, and that's another like nature of like humanity, I think, you know? And so it doesn't, it doesn't always matter. Oh, this is a quote from the good place actually, but it doesn't matter if, uh, you're, if people are good or bad, but what matters is that you're trying to be better than you were yesterday. You know? And I think that this, that this sort of story is a bit of an example of that in a way. So, yeah.
2: I, um, I really like this, um, this idea that I think you put into words while Mike, um, not that I'm saying the words that you, <laughs> I'm trying to describe it. Um, I feel like what you said about God really caring about our heart and like that's what matters. Like not being in the right place um, or doing the right thing, but the state of our heart and longing for God. Um, to me, that just, um, that fights against my perfectionism. Um, and that feeling of like, oh, like things have to be right. Um, I like, and I feel invited by the gospels to adopt this posture of God. Jesus asks us to love our neighbor and love God. Um, and there's nuances, I guess, and other things that Jesus says, but at the end of the day, like, if I'm wondering, like, am I following Jesus? Right. Just to have those two simple things. And I think this goes, goes right into that with, is my heart in the right place? Um, am I full of love for God and for the people of this world? Um, and yeah, I, um, I appreciate that simplicity and that, um, the easiness of that message. Not that it's easy, but the, the, the lack of complication in that.
0: Yeah, thank you, Brooke. Thank all of you. Um, Brooke specifically for kind of tying tying this up in that neat little bow like that. I was so happy for all of you and grateful that I got to do this and have my little imposter Derek moment here as as the host of this show. Um uh, before we go, let's let me just close us in prayer real quick and then uh we'll call it for the episode. Um yeah, dear God, once again, I um Thank you for letting us all come together in this way. Uh, It's always a special time to like work through your word in this way. Um, And and always being with a different group of people and different places of life, different circumstances for all of us and where we are. It makes each of these episodes just so special. And your word is so nuanced and so beautiful that no matter where we're at, we can pull something from it. And I just love that. So you left us with all these beautiful questions Mm -hmm. of what it means to or what it looks like to reconcile with you. What does it mean to be humble in the eyes, of, in the eye, in your eyes? Uh, how do we worship? What's the posture of that? Um, what it looks like to walk with you? And um, yeah, I think this was really meaningful and really impactful. And I uh, thank you for thank you for uh, giving us this. Uh, in Jesus' name. All right, that is the end of our episode. Uh, I think this is just where Derek shows us all. The immense gratitude to each of you. So Broke, thank you for having us. As thank you for being here as always. Neil, thank you for your patience, your work in responding to everybody. And Drew, I think this is this might only be your second episode, and yet you kill it like a pro. So um, yeah, thank you all, uh, and until next time, this is Studio Wesley Annex. Bye.